spent the weekend without my wedge pillow, and I got reflux both nights, and that causes me to cough a lot. I don't think I have anything that's contagious, so don't anybody worry about it. I hope that's the case at any rate. I've entitled this message, All They Did, He Was the Doer. Look in verse 22, the last phrase, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer. Whatsoever they did, he was the doer. Perhaps you've heard of this description of Scripture. The verbal, plenary, inspiration of scriptures. Have you ever heard that term? If you hadn't, that's fine. I remember when I heard the term, I thought, what does that mean? That's a highfalutin way of saying every word of scripture is God-breathed, said exactly as he would have it said. Let me repeat that. Every word of scripture is God-breathed, said exactly as he would have it said. And we see how important this is in our text. I'm going to read you this statement again. Whatsoever they did there, he was the doer. Now I want to give you some translations of this and some of these other versions the warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's authority and he was responsible for everything that was done here's another the warden put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. Here's another, and the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Now, is that what our text says? Not at all. That is what made sense to the translators. Surely, this is what this means. And they didn't give a literal, verbal, plenary translation of it. They, uh, they gave their interpretation of it. Here is what this means. Words and ideas that are not in the text. They might make sense to the natural man, but they are words that are not in the text. And because of that, somebody that pays attention to something like that, misses a very clear illustration of the gospel. All they did, he was the doer. Now, in the first six verses of Genesis chapter 39, we're given the first 11 years that Joseph spent in Egypt. Verse 1, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. 
of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him. And he made him oversee over his house. And all that he had he put in his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had. That the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he, Potiphar, left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. What a servant Joseph was. How he benefited this man. And then we're given this comment about Joseph's physical appearance. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Thus the first 11 years in Egypt. Verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. She found him attractive and she makes this blatant request. This was a wicked woman. Lie with me. No faithfulness to her husband. She saw Joseph lie with me. Verse 8, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master wotteth not what's with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Now this is so beautiful. And the first thing that I would point out about this is what people say about grace is debunked here. Joseph didn't use his privilege of grace as an excuse to sin, but as a reason not to sin. How can I sin against God? And remember, sin's against God. You wrong other people, but sin's against God. How can I wrong my master and sin against God when he's given me such grace? Now, the natural man hears of the grace of God, and they think, well, that's an excuse for sin. Not with a believer. Not with a believer. How could I sin against God? God. Now, God made the act of intimacy between a man and a woman in marriage. And a man and a woman committed to one another until death alone shall part them. <laughs> the two becoming one flesh is given to illustrate the union that, exi that exists between Christ and his church. And it's a gift of God. It's a beautiful Thing. It's the gift of God. God made this, but fallen man has debauched and debased this gift. You know, I love the scripture, marriage is honorable in all. This is found in Hebrews 13. Marriage is honorable in all. 
and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Now, you know this as well as I do. Sexual sin is behind so many of the problems in our society. Perverse crimes, broken homes, lives destroyed, the suffering of children it leaves in its wake. Now, the intimate act of marriage in the marriage covenant is holy. It's beautiful of two a man and woman committed to one another for life, loving one another. But outside of marriage, it's evil. That's all you can call it. Now, that being said, every one of us are far too familiar with the temptation to sexual sin. Everybody in this room knows something about that. You know, when Adam fell, what did he do? He hid from God. And when the Lord said, why did you hide? He said, because I knew I was naked. His eyes were opened and all of a sudden he knew he was naked. Now he was naked before the fall. But you know what? He didn't have a sinful nature. And it wasn't even an issue. There wasn't any wrong, evil, perverse thoughts that went through his mind. He was without a sinful nature. It was after the fall that he uh, saw this they knew they were naked now as we see this sexual sin is never okay under any circumstance and never to be excused I love what Paul said flee fornication and this is to be taught to our children Joseph did not give in and he's a beautiful type of Christ in that who is the one who is tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin? Humanly speaking, I guess Joseph, the best man to ever live as far as what the Bible presents of him. I know that he was a sinful man, just like you and I are. But because he's such a type of Christ, the Bible never exposes any of his flaws. And we admire him in resisting this. How can I sin against God against such privilege he's given me? Verse 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. This wasn't a one-time uh, event. She spake to Joseph day by day, and he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house that were within. Somehow I think she got them all out. I think that this was premeditated on her part. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he left his garment in her hand and was fled forth. You know, there's a saying, uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And I think this is a description of that look at the wicked things she did and it came to pass when she saw that he left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them saying see he hath brought an Hebrew unto mock us 
And he came in unto me to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. You see what she's accusing him of. I mean, he has been innocent in this. He has not given in to her requests. He shows such faithfulness. She is so enraged. She accuses him of this. Verse 17. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant, which thou hast brought unto us, came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. All a lie. He acted so honorably. Where does it get him? False accusation. And he ends up being thrown into prison. Look in verse 19, and it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, <clears throat> saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners are bound. And he was there in prison. Now, you can't help but think, why didn't he have him put it to death? I think perhaps uh, he knew his wife. I think perhaps something like this had happened before. And this man had seen the integrity of Joseph for 11 years. And that's why he didn't have him executed. That's what I think. <laughs> but, verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. Oh, I want the Lord to be with me. The Lord was with Joseph. That's everything with Joseph. Even when he's in that prison, the Lord was with Joseph. Let me ask you, if the Lord's with you, everything's okay, isn't it? Doesn't matter what it is. Even if you're in a prison, the Lord was with Joseph. He had been falsely accused. The Lord let this happen. The Lord had a purpose in it. Listen, uh, Israel would not be delivered had not Joseph been thrown into prison. Now, I'm sure Joseph didn't know this at that time, but he knew this, the Lord's with me. When blessed with a sense of his love, a palace, a toy would appear, and prisons would palaces prove if Jesus would dwell with me there. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, kindness. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. You know who else was in the uh, Lord's hand? This prison keeper. And he turned his heart to have favor toward Joseph. The Lord is in control of everything. He's in control of unbelievers. You don't need to worry about what's going on. The Lord controls everything. And he put it in the heart. And you found this in your own experience where the Lord's caused somebody to favor you or disfavor you. Whatever it is, he did it for his own glory and for his purpose. Here he does that with this person. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now this is the same thing that happened in Potiphar's house, isn't it? Just as Potiphar committed everything to Joseph's hand and everything Joseph did, it prospered. The prison keeper committed everything into Joseph's hand. Now, I don't understand how that works, but that's how we have it. The prison keeper committed everything into Joseph's hand. Joseph's responsible for everybody. He's responsible for everybody in this prison. Now, here we have the statement, whatsoever they did there, he was the doer. Now, here's the importance of the verbal, plenary inspiration of the scriptures. That every word is said, breathed by God, said and placed exactly as he would have it said. Whatever was done by them, whatever they did, he was the doer of it. Now, the gospel is uh, spelled out very clearly in that statement. And if all we get out of this passage of Scripture is what a wonderful man Joseph was to resist temptations, and we do uh, admire that, but if that's all we get, we've missed the meaning because the mystery of the gospel is so clearly illustrated in this statement, whatever they did, Joseph was the doer. Now, those words are very exact. Whatever they did, Joseph was the doer. Now, what does that mean? Whatever they did, it was Joseph who did it. What does that mean? Now, I want to, Consider three things from this passage of Scripture. First, who did Joseph have committed to his charge? Look what it said. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Who did he have charge of? Prisoners. Now let me talk for a few moments about a prisoner. You know, Christ came to set at liberty the captives. Those who are in bondage. Those who are in prison. A prisoner cannot just walk out of the cell when he wants to. That wouldn't be prison, would it? If you could just walk out of the cell... Whenever you wanted to, it would not be prison. The prisoner is in prison because of the crimes he has committed, and he's there against his will. He doesn't want to be there in any way. He'd much rather have his freedom. But he's in the prison because of the crimes he has committed, and he cannot get out. Is that not a description 
of someone who sees themselves to be a sinner. Is that not an accurate description? You're in the prison because of the crimes you committed. It's your fault. And you're there against your will. You don't want to be in there. But you can't get out. Now hold your finger there and turn with me to Romans chapter 7 for just a moment. Verse 14. Now Paul is speaking as a believer. And only a believer has this understanding. No unbeliever understands this. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, fleshly, sold under sin. That means sold as a slave to sin, a prisoner to sin. In jail, and I cannot get out. Now you're in the prison of sin. It's all your fault. You're being held there against your will, and you can't get out. Not everybody feels that way. You know, folks that have a free will aren't prisoners, are they? So they think they have a free will. Uh, I can get out of this if the circumstances are right. I can change things. There's, it's not totally hopeless. There's some things I can do. Now, that is spoken of by an unbeliever that does not understand sin being a nature. Now, an unbeliever can understand something about the, the, the trouble of addiction and the bondage to addiction and all the problems that causes. And it causes so many problems. And he sees that uh, he is in bondage to this addiction but he has some hope that somehow, someday, he'll do something that he'll get out of it. But someone that's into the bondage of sin, they're in a prison and they know there's nothing they can do to get out. You see, if I know anything about the bondage of sin, that means I know that all I do is sin. If I did it, it's sin. If I thought it, it's sin. Uh, I can't prevent that. I can't keep that from happening. And it's all my fault. I'm not blaming Adam. I'm not blaming the fact that I was born that way. It's all my fault. I can't blame anybody but myself. And I'm in bondage. Somebody says, sounds to me like you're not saved. If you're saved, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not saved, you don't. It's a mystery to you. You don't really understand sin. But if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. You cannot not sin. I'm locked up in my cell against my will. I don't want to be here, but I can't get out. A prisoner. You know, the scripture speaks of prisoners of hope. He heareth the sighing of the prisoner. You see, every prisoner, that's the person who's given to our greater Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has complete control over them. Joseph was giving charge of all the 
prisoners. I love that uh, song. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. So here is the person that the Lord comes to save. A prisoner. A prisoner. Where do you fit in that description? A prisoner. Now, it says, whatsoever they did there, Joseph was the doer of it. In him taking responsibility for these prisoners, whatsoever was done there, Joseph was the doer of it. And here we have the great gospel mystery of substitution. Whatsoever they did, Joseph was the doer. Now, I suppose you could say that under Joseph's leadership and example, these hardened criminals were inspired to a life of virtue. (laughs) Maybe. But that's not what the text says. I know someone would take that text and say, well, uh, he inspired them to a life of uh, virtue. Now, these are prisoners. There's a reason they're there. And I hope Joseph did that, but... uh, That's not what the text says. The text says whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. Now this statement gives both sides of substitution. The great mystery of the gospel. Now this is, we admire Joseph. Don't you admire his life, his conduct, his character? He's so, he's such a beautiful person. I love it when, in the next chapter, when he sees those people in the prison. And he says, why are you so sad? He cared about these people. I mean, he was just an, he was an unusual man. But if that's all I see, I've missed the meaning altogether. This, in this statement, we have the very mystery of godliness. We have the gospel in this statement. Whatever they did, he was the doer. Now, while he never committed a sin, and I need to say that, when he was made sin, he never committed a sin. He never sinned. Don't ever think when we talk about him being made sin that that means he started committing sin, that he started having hateful thoughts toward his father, that he started... uh, all the things that are involved in uh, the commission of sin, he never committed a sin. But whatsoever was done there, now these are criminals. These are wicked men. He was the doer. You see, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he God the Father hath made him sin. Now, how can God do this? I don't know, but he did it. That's the point. He did it. He took my sins from me and gave them to Christ so that Christ became guilty 
of the commission of those sins while he never sinned. He never sinned. But God did not punish him, strictly speaking, for my sins. My sins became his sins. And the justice of God smote him. Whatsoever was done there, he was the doer. Now somebody says, can you back that up with the scriptures? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I I know you've probably seen these before, but I want you to see them again. Psalm 40. Who is speaking? Verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire mine ears as thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings thou hast not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will. O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Now that's quoted as the very words of Christ in the book of Hebrews. This is Christ speaking. And look what he says in verse 12. For innumerable evils have compassed me about mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They're more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Now how could Christ speak that way when he never sinned? Because my sin became his sin. Psalm 69. We looked at this in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago. Verse 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Who's speaking? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is with regard to the cross. And what does he say? Look in verse 5. Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from me he doesn't say you know todd's foolishness imputed to me he doesn't say you know todd's sins that were imputed to me he said my foolishness and my sin one more scripture turn to lamentations chapter one right after the book of jeremiah lamentations chapter one Verse 11, all her people sigh, they seek bread. Lamentations 1, verse 11. That's right after Jeremiah. Verse 11, they've given their pleasant things for me to relieve the soul. And now look what the prophet says. And if you read the book of Lamentations, read it one of these days. Sit down and read it. It's got five chapters. And remember, every verse is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. When he says, I'm the man that has seen afflictions, Who's the one who really saw afflictions? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what he says. O Lord, consider for I am become vile. He's the only one who ever became vile. You and I were born vile. We were born sinners. But he was made sin. Look what he says. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold... And see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, 
which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above hath he sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against him. He hath spread a net for my feet. He hath turned my back. He hath made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand. They are wreathed and come upon my neck, and he hath made my strength to fall. The Lord hath delivered me into their hands, from whom I am not able to rise up. Now, I don't know how the Lord did this, and I don't need to know how the Lord did this, but he made it to where my sin became his sin, so that all that I did, he was the doer. You know, it scares me even to say something like that. And when I think of him taking my sins in his own body on the tree and bearing them and becoming guilty of them, let me repeat, the Lord did not kill Christ because he was innocent. He killed Christ because he was guilty. My sin became his sin. All they did, he was the doer. But here's the other side. He was the doer of whatever they did. Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, what's been done in your body? Plenty of bad things. Plenty of bad things. What has been done in your mind? Plenty of bad things. You know what? If you stand before God in yourself, you'll be condemned. I'll be condemned. But here's what justification means. Everything done in my body is good. I have no sin. I stand before God just. Because what I did, he was the doer. He was the doer. That's my hope. His righteousness is my personal righteousness. And whatsoever I did, when there was no, all the things done in my body were good, are good, will always be good, it's because he is the doer. Salvation is what he has done. He is the doer. It's not do, it's done. Because he is the doer. What he does is done. I think of that scripture in Revelation 21 verse 6. He said it's done. Election's his doing. Isn't it? He said you've not chosen me. But I've chosen you. Election is his doing. Justification is his doing. 
He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. He did it. He made it to where I have no guilt. Redemption is his doing. He redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Regeneration is his doing. When God gives me the new birth, it's not response to me asking him for it. He gives me the new birth because of the doing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Regeneration itself is his doing. The life that I have is his doing. He's the life. He is my life before God. I'm going to be judged by what took place in the 33 years of his blessed life. I love to think of the first 30 years that we don't have any information on, except that time when he was 12 and except when he was born. Everything else was perfect obedience before God. And those three years of his public ministry, he could say, which of you can convince me of sin? Oh, his perfect life is the life that I'm going to be judged by. Isn't that great? Preservation is his doing. Preserved in Christ Jesus. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy, every aspect of salvation is his doing. One final thought. Look back in our text. Whatsoever they did there, he was the doer. Now the language of that And let me remind you, every word of Scripture is breathed by God, said exactly as he would say it. Now, you can look at that and say, well, he was responsible for what everybody did there. Well, that's not what it says, is it? Whatsoever was done, he was the doer. Verse 23 keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. You know, you and I would do very well to not look to anything under our hand by way of acceptance with God. I can tell you right now, it's no good. Because the Lord was with him, Joseph, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, that prison keeper looked completely to Joseph for everything. He didn't look at anything under his hand. He looked to Joseph for everything. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to be just like this prison keeper, just like Potiphar was. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Us people who first trusted in Christ, we're the ones who are for the praise of his glory. Is that what that passage of scripture means? Absolutely not. Um, Paul wasn't saying I'm to the praise of his glory and you are too after you believe. Who's the first person to trust Jesus Christ? God the Father trusted Jesus Christ with all of the elect. 
He entrusted me to Christ. He entrusted every one of his people to Christ and trusted him to save them completely. He didn't look for me for something. He looked to Christ. Christ willingly took my place. He took responsibility for me. He said what Judah said to Jacob when he said, Of my hand shalt thou require him. Talking about Benjamin. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not back to thee and set him before thee, let me bear the blame forever. And Jacob trusted him to do that. God the Father put all his trust in his son for the salvation of his people. Now you you know what you and I are called to do? To put our trust in the same place God does. To trust the Lord Jesus Christ completely as all that God requires of me. Oh, the Lord was with Joseph. And I'm in Joseph, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord is with me. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you that whatsoever we did, your son is the doer. How we thank you that he put away our sin. How we thank you that his doings here on earth become our doings. And when you save us, All the things done in this body because of his doing is good. Lord, bless this message to our understanding. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.